Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Haley. And this is How to Not Get Killed. Spider check one, two, one, two. <laughs> Stop. I had to. I had Honestly, to. guys, you know my trauma with the spider. Well, when I this spend, is coming out, that's probably been like weeks ago. It's, it has been, but like. She still just, has nightmares. You never forget. And no. I sat down yesterday and like checked my mic and my mic stand for like five minutes. <laughs> like, like thoroughly. I know, it wasn't I, just like a quick glance. It's almost like, like I just couldn't believe that there wasn't a spider on it. It was so big that it makes me concerned for the home I live in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. I'm looking for somewhere new to live in light of the circumstances, but no, I'm kidding. Okay. This is this is a different t- type of episode. Yeah. It's a real loosey goosey. Loosey goosey. Loosey goosey. We're just not that we're we're taking true detective lightly. It's no. just it's this just is different. a different format for us. <laughs> we can be a little bit lighter than usual. We can make a little bit more jokes, maybe, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know our last, looking at our schedule, like our last few episodes that have come out recently, they've all been pretty heavy and We're not that heavy. funny. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. And this is all fictional. So, you know what? Like, yeah, yeah. everything's fair game. Yeah. I just really don't want Matthew McConaughey to hate me. I love Matthew McConaughey. Like, I have mixed emotions. I I no, I don't know him as a person. I just mean as a- Oh, you don't? No, I don't. <laughs> Fucking I wish. thought you did. Although I've heard he's super weird, but- um, Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to believe. But as an actor, I, I think he's a, like an exceptional actor. Like, I, I don't think you have to like every movie that he's in. I just mm. think he's good. He's in the last like 10 years when, you know, like he did a lot of rom-coms and everything and whatever. And then everyone talks about how he made this major pivot in his career. True Detective kind of helping that. Yeah. And and I think he's he's proven himself. He's yeah. a, he's a great actor. Yeah. I think he's exceptional in this season of True Detective season one. And I also love Woody Harrelson. Oh, more he's than my favorite. Itself. I, yeah. pre- I prefer yeah. him. I love him. I love him. He's I, no. I love him. Matthew McConaughey. I think he's an, is a great actor. I would be if I don't know. Like he seems he just iffy. Seems, he seems whatever. Woody Harrelson seems like a fucking party. I would. I'd kill <laughs> to hang out with Woody like, Harrelson. Yeah. I love him. He's awesome. <laughs> like he seems like a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, I have a crush on Michelle Monaghan. Oh, I've always had a crush on right? her. Right. Like I was when I was rewatching the season and Luke was just kind of like doing his work next to me and I was like she's so beautiful and Luke's and just like it looks up and he's like yeah she's really pretty I was like she's so beautiful was he trying to just like control himself or I don't, something he didn't because care. like he honestly didn't care because he straight I, up though was like let me know when Alexandra Daddario has like her tits showing <laughs> she does have a great set of knockers but it's, any, it's just, she does it's <laughs> one of the like m- most talked about <laughs> moments in the season. <laughs> By many people, but good on you. But yeah, Luke didn't give a shit. Yeah, but also like Michelle Monaghan. I mean, I'm pretty sure I had like the exact same conversation with Drew. I was just like, I love her. Like she is perfection. And he was like, yeah, she's all right. And I was just like, excuse me? The fact that you wouldn't leave me for her is concerning. <laughs> like, it's like get, get your fucking priorities figured out here, man. Yeah. Um, one thing, obviously this episode is going to just be like chalked full of spoiler alerts or spoilers, <laughs> spoiler alerts. Yeah. I would, 
I have recommended True Detective to everyone I know. So I'll just do a blanket statement and say, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. I would highly recommend to watch. And if you haven't seen it yet and you're listening to this, then there's going to be a lot of spoilers. and A lot. And there's a lot of good twists and everything in it. So if you don't want those yeah. spoiled, go go watch it. Yeah. Go, it's like a quick eight hours or something. Real quick eight and a half hours. <laughs> Real I think quick. It's, is it eight episodes or is it ten? Know. I can't remember. I don't know. It's it's long. Yeah. So just go watch that real quick and then come back. Okay. Just a quick little sneaky little go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> where, should we, where should we start? Where do you want to start? Well, I, I think I wanted to start quickly and just talk about what I mentioned to you briefly before about okay. how there has been a bit of a shift as far as yes. film versus TV in mm-hmm. the last I, – I haven't tracked it or anything, but I would just say in the last like 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. as far as TV was always seen as like a lesser version, like a lesser quality yeah. of media than film. Like film was like the art, right? Yeah. And then TV and then was TV's sort of, like the filler. Yeah, and we've gotten to a point now where – TV has really been elevated to the caliber of of film. Not every TV show, but a TV show like True Detective is a good example. There's many, many, many TV shows that I think people could probably jump in and shout out and and talk about with this. But yeah. I think that was kind of one of the the main things that people liked about it, that they were like, this is a TV show, but this is like the highest quality sort of writing acting directing all of that that you would get in like a big box office movie but yeah. it's a tv show so like you get you get the really more big of it. like theatrical drama like yeah suck you in kind of thing over what you would get in tv where it's just like that momentary fill I, and, I don't know i can't even think of a yeah. better word yeah and with tv you get so much more time to like explore characters yeah. and storylines and themes so i feel like true detective did that like it used its time well mm-hmm. in a way that if you were making a movie about this story it wouldn't have done it justice now seeing the tv show yeah fair. you know that it wouldn't have made a good movie it would only make a good show and i will point out that um nick pizzolato good job good that? job you nailed Pizz- it pizzolato i wouldn't know either the writer is a novelist originally mm-hmm. so I think the writing of it, a lot of people have mentioned that they feel like it kind of goes like a novel. Yeah. Chapter by chapter. And you're cutting back and forth between timelines. Yeah. And the the dialogue and everything. Now finding out, I didn't know this when I watched it the first couple of times. Now knowing that he started out as a novelist, it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. That makes more sense to me because I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Also, the credit sequence. I just have to say... Oh. Like one of my favorite credit sequences ever of a TV show ever. I, one of them. I'm not yeah. saying it's the, but yes. like one of them. It, it's up there it with like good. Dexter. I love the Dexter credit I sequence. I do love, that's a classic. Like that's a classic one. The, the new Dexter ones, I actually really like. I haven't, well, I, know, I, I, yeah, know. I haven't seen it yet, but. I know. But I, I, like. I actually really like watching credit sequences. Like when same. Luke and I start a new show, I always, the first episode he knows, I always want to watch the credit sequence. I do I, the same thing. I feel like they have also been elevated to an art that was not before. No. I feel before, like before it was just, it was just like, like whatever. Ding, 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 <laughs> and then you get into <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. It's just like, well, exactly okay. It. And now they're like, um, we're watching like all the Marvel TV shows too, like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, where not, they all but... have like really, really excellent credit sequences. And yeah. I've now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I, it's a separate. <laughs> art for me where i'm like you can 
Yeah. Like, there's people out there that like that's their shit where they're like, yes. I make credit sequences and that's my art. And I love that. <laughs> See, my my version of like a credit sequence being considered art is American Horror Story. And nothing can top that for me. Their credit sequences, I'm just like, I'm fucking in and I'm here to just watch the credit sequence. Yeah. Like it's a story in itself. Drew didn't care for the credit sequence of True Detective. Oh, really? We made a couple of jokes. I liked it, but. Oh, I fucking loved it. it. But we, every night that we sat down to watch it, because we watched like one episode each night for like a week, right? Because it's like how long it is. But we'd sit down and we'd, the one day we forgot to like fast forward through it. Because like we did watch it the first like two times. But like by the time it ended, because it's like 45 minutes long. Oh, it's really long. long. Yeah. We were like, well, that was a good episode. Time to go to bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I didn't watch it every time. It is Okay, because it was like literally 75 minutes. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It was a great film in itself. Like the imagery of it is all like. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I could like. That's my intelligent aspect. And be like, and put it as my screensaver on my laptop or something and be like, that's a good shot because yeah. it's like, that's didn't consider cinematography and credit yeah. sequences before. That, no, but now they're much. like, let's take it and to they're a like, level. Let's make this indicative of what you're about to watch, yeah. which I think they did a good job of. But yes, it's extremely long. <laughs> we were just like, well, time for bed. It's, you know it's been what? three and a half hours. If you're considering watching True Detective season one, go and watch the credit sequence. It will give you good vibes for like what the show is going to. It does. You know, it does foreshadow a lot. Yeah, it does. It does. A lot. For sure. I think that's what credit credit. The credit. I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> I can't even deal with this as I'm out. I do it all the time. Credit. I hate it when I'm when I miss say something and I miss say it in a way that makes me sound like a child. <laughs> yeah, that's why I I'm just like I'm giving up. That's why I was like, it's done. I'm done for now. <laughs> I'm out of this world. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to do first before I say other stuff because other stuff might not be as nice to the show because there's a lot I like about it but there's there's stuff I didn't like about it for sure so I want to first I want to do like the the compliment sandwich if you will okay <laughs> oh yeah is it wait is it the shit sandwich where you compliment and then say something bad and then it's a compliment again or are you doing the opposite I think I might do like a compliment yeah I'll do I'll do a good and then a bad and then a good Okay, because Luke, yeah, Luke talks about that in teaching. He calls it the yes. shit sandwich. He's like, when you talk about like a kid what and it's did, like, right? you're like, oh, they did a blah, they were super great at yeah, this. And then you they're, fucking they're suck. shit at this. Yeah. And then, no, but they're also really <laughs> good at you, this. But you, <laughs> you know, did great. It between buns of compliments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing, this is my first thing, that I'm going to pride the show on the makeup crew. Yeah. It sounds silly. No, it doesn't. But they Not did a me. fucking bomb ass job. Yeah. Because... They did a really good job of making the actors look the age that they were playing in all parts of the show. A lot of flashbacks, oh, yeah. a lot of flash forwards, oh, yeah. and a lot of present day. It's not easy to make two grown-ass men in their early to late 50s look like they're in their 20s. Are they supposed to be in their 20s? Yeah, late 20s, early 30s. It's supposed to be like a long time away. It's, well, it's supposed to be 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind but of thought I'm talking in the about beginning like real life like, Woody Harrelson and Matthew oh, McConaughey. Yes. Yeah, they're yeah. in their 50s. Yes. So it's no, hard no, no, to make are. them look they are, like they're sure. young, fresh on the scene detectives. Yeah. Remember, this came out eight years ago as well. I don't care. I, I, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think they're supposed to be in their 20s when they're okay. investigating it. Either way, Matthew they're supposed McConaughey to look. Matthew McConaughey just came out of four. <laughs> True. <laughs> and then had but, a whole career before that. But. They made them look young as shit. Oh, they did. No, I completely agree. Like the young flashback to the present day. Yeah. They 
they did a really good job yeah. with the hair and makeup. In comparison to them being in real life 50-year-old men. Yeah. Yeah. For it's sure. hard to do. Absolutely. That's hard to do. Yeah. And I think <laughs> they obviously had it pretty easy with I a think, canvas like Matthew McConaughey. But like, <laughs> I think they did. I think they did like a little bit of that middle ground where it's sort of like in the flashback, you make them look younger. And then in the present day, you just try and make them look a bit older and more haggard than maybe they even are yeah. in real life. So you kind of, you don't have to go too far. You don't have to way. do too much. Yeah. And I can probably confidently say knowing what Matthew McConaughey does for some of his roles that he just was like he probably just he's like you need these- me to age back 10 years <laughs> I'm on it <laughs> for these scraggly parts like he really for the present day he really looks haggard as yeah. fuck yeah but then for the young scenes that hey you somehow went back in time yeah oh absolutely smoothed your skin right clean, the fuck clean cut yeah kind of you know he's still weird but like he's, yeah yeah but for the, sure but then my next point is like like I already said, I'm a huge Michelle Monaghan fan. But I thought it was extra hilarious that they they didn't need to use makeup to make her look younger. Like, or, and if they did, yes. No, no. I think they just had her hair different, right? But, like they but had they her hair had shorter to, in the present. You could see it. It was noticeable that they had to use makeup to make her look the age that she was supposed to be playing as present day, yeah. which is her current age. Yeah. No, I know. I they know. had to be like, we got to make you look old. Sorry. Yes. You're just way too hot. We can't have you looking like this. <laughs> we can't have you staying 31 for the entire show. Like, so yeah. kudos. And I feel like the hair pieces, like wasn't there hair pieces for or just for Woody Harrelson in the flashbacks? Because isn't he actually bald in real life? Yeah. Mostly bald. Like, yeah. So the hair piece was actually pretty good. Yeah. Because I'm watching it knowing he's wearing a hair piece because I know Woody Harrelson in most yeah rolls is bald i'm pretty sure so, he's been bald like everything i've forever, ever seen him yeah in. and so <laughs> i i remember thinking that too i remember being like that's a pretty good hair piece that's a pretty good hair piece. Do, do and i'm pretty sure she had a hair piece when in the older scenes where she's supposed to be like present day and have yeah yeah like because it's not her hair and she's not like basically fully gray like yeah i no. might have dyed it whatever I don't they know. did either way they yeah. they had to be like we got to make you look older because you're just way too good looking yeah <laughs> <laughs> like he has a girl crush i oh 100 i'm here for it she's yeah she's up there from my list on my list <laughs> i've got a list <laughs> wait is there anything you want to talk about next um i had a note about the setting in general mm. um being like just backwoods like is it louisiana i think so yeah i, so. I know i should know that yeah. but like it's just <laughs> that's okay <laughs> <laughs> the bayou and everything the bayou <laughs> but it's it's so eerie and barren and it's it i feel like they did a good job like uh sort of like production set wise that of showing a place where to me it felt like anything could be hiding anywhere in dark places or in plain sight yeah you know where it's like it felt it almost like be, abandoned Yes. But overcrowded. Like it was yeah, just like abandoned but overrun. Yeah. You know, with like shady characters. Yeah. And and obviously these are detectives, so they are going into these sort of like the darker corners of the world. And that's what it felt like. Like it felt like a darker corner of yeah, the world. It did. But it still felt realistic. Not yeah, like believable. Yeah. Not like, oh, this is like a this is like a sin city or something. It, yeah. Like a fictional place it felt real yeah it just felt so eerie yeah eerie drew also loved the setting yeah and that's also why the second we started season two he was just like not for me 
I want to go back to the swamps. The swamps. <laughs> the swamps. <laughs> well, there was a quote. I believe it's Rust that says it. Um, he says, this place is like somebody's memory of a town and the memory is fading. It's like there was never anything here but a jungle. Hmm. And I feel like that's a good, like just even that first part, like a memory of a town, but the memory is fading. Like that's yeah. what it felt like to me. Yeah, it kind of felt like, oh, just like this forgotten place. Like Yeah. Forgotten yeah, like who's even left there because everyone's moved on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the world has moved on from yeah, it. Yeah, everyone's just like, oh, that old place? We don't go there anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'll i now talk about one of the things I didn't like about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's one of the things that people – why people liked the show. I, I don't know. But I don't like when answers or, like, suggestions are shoved in my face. Okay. So I don't feel like that makes for, like, a good puzzle. And I feel like right from like the first 10 minutes of the show, they went a little too heavily with trying to imply that Rust is a suspect. From the first 10 minutes of the show? Right away, they tried to make it a little too heavy for me. Okay. That's just like the standpoint I took where it was just like, you guys are obviously trying to make me think that I should be watching him to distract me from what I should be watching. Okay. I think I just missed that entirely. It felt very intentional. It, was there something that was said in the first episode of the show that made yeah. – Because I didn't really think – I didn't realize they were considering Rust as a suspect until like a few episodes in. Uh, the only reason why I say that is because right away they show you first right off the bat they're interviewing Marty about Rust, not yes. about the case. Yes. So that's like red flag number one for me mm-hmm. where I was just like, oh, obviously I'm supposed to be watching this seedy character who has a long, shaggy, disheveled – ponytail Mm -hmm. drinking inside the police station like you know what I mean it was just (laughs) kind of like oh that's obvious but they right away they try to have you believe that yeah he's obviously super smart and like philosophical but they also like try so hard to convince you that he's unstable when he isn't as unstable as he appears to be I think it's more of like an act yeah yeah that's that's another point I think that is a point of discussion where it's like I think a lot of people watch it and and look at the present day Rust as like being so run down by like life and his career and this investigation. Yeah. And that it's like that's why he looks so haggard. Yeah. But I think there is merit to him maybe putting a bit of it on. I well, think he's so. he's obviously an alcoholic and he's drinking again. So that's yeah. like I mean that that seems real to me. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's something that a lot of people gloss over and don't consider that he might be he might be putting something on because we revisit the theme of him being an undercover cop for such a long time because he's so good at it. Yeah. And we get to see that in that fucking awesome 6-minute one take scene at the end of like I think it's episode 4 or whatever. When he's under, when he goes back undercover with like the gang, yeah, 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 and it yeah. goes wrong. That whole scene is there's no cuts. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. There's no, it's like a, it's a whole one take, and the camera just follows him through all the rooms, Damn. through all the action. It's fucking. I went back and rewatched it. I'm gonna have to rewatch it. Yeah, it was really good. It's I'm agreeing. So good. Yeah. But I think, yes, I think that they show. And they obviously discussed that he was undercover for like four yeah. years. And Marty's like, what? I like you're most people only go under for like a year or 18 yeah, months. Yeah, I think or it's like, there's like a maximum. Yeah. And he's like, no, I had 
like I had to do it because of whatever he had gotten in trouble for. And yeah. so I think that that's something that you see throughout the show is that like we forget that Russ is really good at being an actor because that's what an undercover cop is. It's yeah. Committing right? to like a different personality really. Yeah. But. And like living yeah. in it. And I think that's, that's kind, yeah. kind of what he, it seems like he's been doing for yeah, putting on an act, yeah, whatever is that he's been like living in this investigation, like living in this, yeah, like that's character. his life, not his own personal yeah. outside life, yeah. But the, what felt forced was that again, I think it was like within the first 15 minutes, they talk about him having a sealed record that no one can open because it's just so like no one can read this old file of his, and the mm. implications that he, it, he's so dangerous and unpredictable that right. that's why you can't read this record. And that's when I was like, I'm being force fed to think he's a suspect instead of just letting you kind of get there yourself yeah. or just make or just draw your own conclusions about the characters exactly yeah because yeah. like they could have i feel like they could have achieved the same thing of like you should look at him as a suspect mm -hmm. without like spoon feeding it sure i don't yeah. know that's how i felt i guess i didn't feel it was spoon fed because in the spectrum of spoon feeding in Hollywood. Oh, yes. There's it obviously. Was, it was so far on the opposite end to me. Yeah. That it was refreshing because I was like, usually. Definitely. It's like more. Like we talked about in Sinister, it will be written down on a sticky note. Who be like, is she? Rust? <laughs> question mark? Suspect? Question, question mark? mark? Like <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I completely So agree. I guess that's why I didn't get that vibe, but I totally understand. Because there were yeah. things where it was just like, okay, we get it. Yeah, we get it for sure. But like, it wasn't as obvious as yeah, sinister or other for shows. Sure. Like, I'm not for saying sure. it was the most obvious, but yeah, that's just how I felt. Where I was just right away, like, oh, I get it, mm -hmm. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's being directly contrasted with, not I don't want to say like it's contrast, but it's being directly kind of compared to his behavior in the flashbacks. Yeah. Which like, what did you make of that? Like in the flashbacks, because that's kind of more what we're getting in the beginning in yeah. the flashbacks. So what did you? What did you think of Rust, first of all? And we can talk about Marty later. What, flashback Rust or? Yeah, flashback Rust. Because I feel like they're kind of, they've changed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> From well, past Rust to present Rust is a bit of a change in personality. Yes. Marty stays the same, no changes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, it seems like. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I just thought right off the bat, he's a good cop. Like, I was just like, mm -hmm. okay, he seems like, like he does good investigative work and I didn't like the I don't know the pushback he got from Marty so much when it was just like he has points to make and all yeah. he cared about was like his attitude and it was like it's not really an attitude and she just has like a realistic outlook on life yeah and he does make that point Russ yes. says I feel like I'm a realist but in philosophy I'm a pessimist yeah so because that's just how it's viewed he's like, saying that he's a pessimistic person and he has a pessimistic view on life mm -hmm. but he talks about it anyways yeah. and i think that's where marty and him bump heads because marty's like not that you don't say things like that but he's more just like most people don't view the world the way that you do obviously yeah so sometimes you should maybe shut your mouth <laughs> like in marty's words yeah. not not mine yeah um or you should be just be weary because yeah. but it, i but i think on the other hand rust doesn't really care no he doesn't and, and I think that's why I liked flashback rest. And we find out why, partially why he has that view because yes. his daughter died. 
And that obviously does something to a person. And Marty doesn't even find that out until his wife asks Rust one personal question about him. Yeah. And then she's like, have you ever asked him anything about himself? Yeah. You know, this is your partner. No, (laughs) spend all day with him. Yeah. Right. And I think it's very, I think it's very apparent that in the beginning, like Marty doesn't like Rust, but I think towards the end, despite obviously like what happened between them. Yeah he's he learns to respect him yeah and and he obviously learns to understand him more yeah and and rust as well to marty because i don't really think he likes marty that much in the beginning either no i think he like looks almost down upon him and he's like well he does actually he knows that marty's like cheating on his wife like i think he's which by the way that was also like saw that coming yeah i think that's a very cliche it's a cliche but they Again, it was it was used in a way that I think makes sense because yeah. if you're going to use a cliche, which like a lot of movies and TV shows have that cliche about cops yeah. where it's sort of whatever, like not not a great family life or that they can't stay married and all of that. Yeah. Um, but I think Alexandria Daddario's character revealed things about Marty through their relationship like when he yeah breaks into her place and then fucking threatens that guy because oh yeah and she's thinking he's doing this because of jealousy and he's doing it because they're looking for a killer who's killing young women and yeah. and i think it's partly like it, it's it could be partly jealousy i'm not saying it's not but like you can very clearly understand yeah. why he's there when he asks the guy i can't remember what he asks him he asks him like a question about i can't remember either but it was like oh he was like did she did she suck your dick because he knows that the guy that they're looking for, like, is impotent or something, something along the lines of, like, yeah. if she did, then you can't be the guy I'm looking for kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's kind of, like, it, it doesn't redeem him in any way to no. me. I, lo- I saw that scene and I was like, you're fucking crazy, man. Like, I would be so yeah. pissed. Like, I'm oh, not yeah. even surprised that she called his wife after that. Oh, no, because you, you can't just show up drunk and then start beating the crap out of somebody. No, like, <laughs> seriously, like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But you can very much tell that she doesn't understand why he's there. Yeah. And and I think it's just they're trying to show that, like, he he cares beyond just, like, using this girl. Yeah. But he really should be directing those emotions to his family, <laughs> you know? Yes. But it's just, like, he now knows her. Yeah. He now has had a relationship with her. So at the very least, he's like, I don't want to be – I don't want to be investigating your dead body. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, I, I and yeah, and I think it it also plays into stereotypes, right? Like, you can go out and just like go home with a stranger and like not really have to be that worried about it. Yeah. Whereas women, are, we're always told to be careful. Yeah. Like always, like you have to be careful because something happens. It's our fucking fault. It. Oh well, yeah, one hundred percent. Right. It is our fault, right? So he's <laughs> like, I can't trust you to be careful and take care of yourself because you're a stupid woman. Yeah. So <laughs> you dumb dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I gotta so come dumb. in and check for you. Yeah. And it's just yeah yeah yeah. So again, yeah. it doesn't shed him in any sort of good light to me. It just reveals a lot more about his character. Yeah, I think. I agree. I do agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again. But I oh, think they, they used it in a in a decent way. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. What, what next? I just felt like throughout the season, and even like obviously I know the beginning of the season is kind of the first half-ish, and then you're you're getting into the second half of the investigation. But overall, in especially in the beginning, because they're kind of like 
they're focusing on this one investigation. It felt to me a bit more realistic than we often see in movies and TV shows. And I'm going to say something like the extreme of this is like criminal minds where they go in and they solve a case within like two days and they're like out. And And we're like, like, we got them. We, it only took us 35 seconds, but we got home in time for dinner, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you at 6 PM tonight. We got them. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like it felt some people would watch True Detective, guaranteed I know. Some people that would watch it and be like, it was slow. But oh, I, actually, yeah. Like a lot of the reviews I saw when I was looking over IMDb, it was all like, so dragged out. Yeah. Blah. And it was like. But I felt to me that yeah. simulated what I think in my head a real investigation would feel like. Well, yeah, because like we we do sit here and talk about cases where it takes them three years to catch a killer mm-hmm. or 10 years or 20 years or never solved at all. Yeah. And and that is, unfortunately, the more realistic side of things. TV like CSI and Criminal Minds makes it seem like it only takes half an hour to find some killer mm-hmm. or some like serial killer that's killed like 30 plus people. So it's like it, it's not that quick. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to feel slow to someone who's watching this expecting immediate gratification. It's, it's exactly – that's exactly it. It's so much delayed gratification and I feel like those really quick crime scene thing, TV shows and movies where it's like wrapped up so quickly, it's gratifying. And I'm not, I'm never going to deny that that's entertaining as hell. And like oh, I watch yeah. all that shit, but it, it, it's partly the reason why in real life, when there's cases going on and police are investigating and it takes a really long time, people are standing there like, how has it taken them this long to find this guy? Like, yeah. what the heck? Like, it's been like three it's weeks. It's been 20 like, minutes. Can't you have, have you not found, found him by now and arrested <laughs> him and tried him and killed him already? Like, <laughs> it's just, and I feel like people, yeah, yes. when in reality, even True Detective isn't no. the truth of it all. The truth of it all yeah. would be these guys investigating this crime over years on top of 80 other cases that they have. Yeah. And and I haven't and seen also any having media. to jump through like bureaucratic red tape here and there to get the answers you need to get to because yeah. there's policies and regulations in place in every single like layer of doing things. You you can't just go up and be like, hey, I've got a bunch of questions for you. Answer them on the spot right now. Mm-hmm. No, you, there's processes you need to follow, and they unfortunately take time. Yeah. So I felt like they did a good job of like like I said, simulating that a bit. Yeah. As far as it didn't feel dragged out to me it felt real it felt like it was interspersed with all of the sort of things that cops do you know like when they like Russ comes over for dinner they go out and they set him up on a date like the little things that maybe felt superfluous but we learn about their characters through those conversations even more and really I feel like True Detective more than anything else is a character study yeah it's about a story but it's very much about these two guys yeah it actually isn't they are really about people. the killer. Like, no. Yeah. It asks a lot of bigger questions. Yeah. And it's explored through their relationship and their dialogue about each other in these interviews. Because yeah. we learn a lot about the characters through their accounts of each other. Yeah. Talking to these detectives and Marty talking about Rust and Rust talking about Marty. Exactly. And and we're learning about them as we go through flashbacks and through these interviews. So yeah. it's kind of an interesting way to do it and yeah. i feel like you get you get a lot of depth there yeah i agree yeah so yeah that's your spiel that's my spiel. that's your spiel <laughs> <laughs> yeah there um there was one article i had read um by some guy his name is adrian schmillars 
I'm going to go with Shmuel Ars. Um, but he, yeah, it's all about the, like the symbolism behind, uh, uh, in relation to trying to imply that Rust is the suspect. Okay. Yep. Just especially in the first couple of episodes where they try to imply he's the, the suspect as well as he's being framed to be the suspect. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's the, the really like little like imagery scenes where it's just like oh you have to like pause it and look at that and like read it on like a whole different like analytical level but there were a few good like points he had brought up that I just thought was interesting of like different images that like they like do highlight quite a bit or like pause on and like zoom in on him to be like oh what do you get from this picture you know (laughs) when they're like oh what do you think (laughs) so the first one I'd I don't think this is as heavy as the imagery as the other scenes, but the first one is um, they have him. I think it's in the first episode, in the second half of the yeah, it's in the first episode. I don't remember exactly what minute or timestamp. Maybe I'll put that in like the show notes or something if you need. But there's like a scene where they like pause and zoom in on him, and he's standing beside the Corona label with a yellow crown. Oh, and it's supposed to be the whole yellow king. The yellow thing. king, yeah. Then it goes further. There's Another scene while he's driving, I can show it to you, where they show him driving and it slows on a part where there's a yellow crown above <gasps> the vehicle, oh above gosh. his head. Yeah. That was another scene. That's super cool. Then, and you're going to have to remind me of the guy's name because now I can't remember it. And you said you were going to remember names for me. Mm-hmm. But when he goes to interview the the guy, what's his name? The big dude from the end? Yes. Oh, um, Errol Childress. That's it. When he goes to interview him for the first time, they slowly show him walking up to Jesus with a yellow crown. Mm -hmm. Then in the next image, they like pause on the writing on the, like the school board sign that says notice King. And it's like <gasps> supposed to be him. Oh, I Oh, yeah. Yes. Because it's like the poles in front of the other letters. Yes. And the C's are with like scent. Like the like Im, like the symbol for scent, not yeah. for like a yeah. letter C. We're not sure what that means, but yeah. somebody wants to dissect that. Go right ahead. <laughs> and There's levels. <laughs> there is levels. It's supposed to also be to in this one here that the tree is supposed to match the tree that the girl was originally found. Oh, okay. Which I thought was cool. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was another – oh, my God. Where did it go? I can't remember. I lost it already. Okay. But – oh, the, like, end of – the very first episode where they like zoom in on this, it's supposed to mean that he's being framed as the suspect. Ah, because it's because like they zoom out on him around... being in a frame, yes, literally like a window frame. Yeah, yeah. So that's just some of the like symbolism. For sure. And I, lo- I love, I personally love stuff like that. That's yeah. what gives me rewatch value. Where like this is my third time yes. watching it through, um, and like I feel like I could probably watch it like 10 times and get something new from it every time. Like just find those minor details and and a new one pops out to me 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I do, I love stuff like that. Some people hate it, but like I love stuff like that. Yeah. And I love not catching it. Like, to be honest, like I'm not that person that's like, damn it, why didn't I catch that? Like, yeah. I love seeing stuff yeah. like that and being like, wow, like you really thought about this. The, the details. Yeah. And then the, the next, when you start to piece together that he might not actually be the suspect and he might be on to something when he's interviewing the Reverend Tuttle guy mm-hmm. and he's wearing a yellow tie he has a yellow watch he has yellow glasses beside him it's supposed to be that like he's on the right path to the yellow king yeah so i just really liked this that's guy's fantastic article. yeah i like that and he like zooms in on the tie and everything and he's like there's like black like things all over it it's yeah. cool <laughs> so this guy did a really good job i want to like share the article in the show notes because he did some fucking that's some attention to detail yeah for yes sure. On the part of, like, the people making the show and on this guy's part for catching it. Yes. Good for you. He does also go over the whole opening sequence because I know you like that. But I'm just – we're going to save that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll read it later. (laughs) Yeah, that's just for you. (laughs) On on the topic of the Yellow King as, like, a a theme, Theme. like, as a character, but it's more – to me, it feels like more of a theme. It is more of a theme because – yeah. Because, like, you just showed in that picture about, like – it, um, p- drawing parallels to Jesus wearing a yellow crown. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of religious themes throughout this and discussion yeah. about religion. But I read something that I thought was interesting because I didn't know this and I don't think anyone would like would know this. I guess unless you've read this, but um, the King in Yellow is a fictional play frequently mentioned in the weird short stories of Robert W. Chambers, and it crops up repeatedly in the show. So this is some this is an article that I was reading. Um, quote, I closed my eyes and saw the king in yellow moving through the forest, says Cole in episode two. Um, and then the king's children are marked. They became his angels. And then it says, as fans of Chambers know, people exposed driven insane as they discover incomprehensible and depraved truths about the universe. Wow. So this writer, Robert W. Chambers, in his short stories, I guess, talks about a fictional play. Mm hmm called the king in yellow yeah and people who are exposed to it they go insane as they discover the truths of the universe yeah which i think is something that I, again i didn't know i didn't I, you wouldn't know about this unless no. you read robert chambers short stories and yeah. then you're making you're drawing these parallels but that's such a it's such a good way to subversively talk about the themes of like these universal truths that Rust does talk about throughout mm-hmm. the show. He's yeah. very philosophical. He's very like, at one point I thought I was going mad. And at other points I felt like I was discovering the truths of the universe. Like he literally says lines like yeah. that. Yeah. Like almost pulls it right out of it. Yeah. Where it's sort of like, where is the line between finding truth and, and like just being insane? Yeah. Like, like thinking that you found the truth or actually finding the truth. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's a lot of back and forth there with obviously the character of Marty being that butting head to Russ saying like, you're just crazy. Yeah. You just, <laughs> just sound crazy. like. You just sound insane. Like a jackass almost. I'm yeah. the normal one. You're the freak. Yeah. Whereas I think as the audience, if you really listen to what Rust is saying, some of the, th- the things he's saying make sense when you break them down. But he's coming from a very pessimistic view. So you might not necessarily agree with them. Yeah. But what he's talking about, it's not gibberish. It's no. It's just Marty doesn't really want to listen. Yeah. He doesn't want to hear it. Um, And I think that the dialogue of Rust, I think in everyday conversation, would come off as really pretentious. Yeah. And in TV and film, 
writing like that can come off as really pretentious. But I think when you encapsula- encapsulate it in a character like Rust, yeah, and then you have a character like Marty kind Balance of being it like out. you're re- being really fucking pretentious it's kind of more of like a meta thing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Where it's yes. almost like this could have been really pretentious, but I am i don't want it to be that pretentious. Yeah. So I'm going to insert someone like Marty to yeah, come to and call like him out Yeah, to like goof it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I liked that. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like it's really obvious when someone wants to write something that's like oh, these big philosophical concepts yeah. and they're doing it through characters who are all kind of like talking about it with each other and – like the look, we're the we're the yeah. elite. We're elevated people. It just comes off as too elite. It comes off as and yeah, it's like, pretentious. Okay, yeah, and I think it's nice to have a character like Marty kind of act for the audience as like, what the fuck are you talking about, Rust? Yeah, you know, because where like, it's like everybody knows a guy and, like Marty. Yeah, where it's I had like, to go back and re- read some of the quotes that Rust yeah. said because I'm like some of his monologues and spiels. I'm like, I don't really yeah. actually know what he's getting at. I need yeah. to revisit that. Yeah, where you're like, I get it, but also like. What was the direction of it? Like, what was he intending for us to get from it? Because yeah. it's like, it's it's statements that he makes where it's like, it's open for interpretation of how you want to like take it and have it sit with you. Mm-hmm. And like, again, I think as like, he is his own character. He is not the be all and end all like universal voice of anything. He's no. his own person and his opinions and views about life and about philosophy and about the universe are coming from his personal experiences. Like I said, one of them being he lost his daughter. And there's a lot – there's something I wanted to touch on with this um, because people who lose children or close family members and they adopt a really pessimistic view of the world yeah, because they think, why would this person be taken away from me if the world was good? Yeah. Right. What's the point in being a good person if yeah. bad things happen to good people? Yeah. And th- that that's there's a lot. There's a million questions. Th- there's a zillion ways people handle grief. Yeah. And Rust is handling it in his own way. Mm-hmm. And it's very I think it's obvious. Yeah. And it and it almost feels like a really realistic way to handle it. Like, I feel yes. like most people wouldn't go through something like that and come out on the optimistic side. Most no. people wouldn't. No. I don't think so. And that's I mean, an assumption like, I'm making. But I think if you have a predisposition to be a positive person, you're more likely to come out of it and and stay a positive person and maybe find some some way to twist yeah. that and and move on from it, grow from it, yeah, and all of that. But it, if you had a predisposition to being more negative, which maybe Rust was, and yeah. you you know your daughter died, and then you your marriage broke up, and yeah. Then you go and spend four years undercover doing drugs and like in the darkest corners and, like, of the world. Seeing people get killed and shit. Like spending and, yeah, time just, with the worst people. Yeah. I can imagine you'd come out of that and be like, the world is shit and everybody in this world is shit. I also can't actually imagine because like even like you and me doing something like a true crime podcast where all we do is talk about like murders and horrifying shit. It's It would be really hard to be a detective who just – investigates murders for a living literally that's all you do day in and day out and still like go home and be like the sun is shining <laughs> the birds are chirping mm-hmm. it would be difficult and i i don't i don't know how you could be an optimistic person like it's almost more believable for a detective to be like this brooding pessimistic character and i think that's why we see those a lot because it yeah it feels it more realistic and and one of the things there's a lot of themes, obviously, like that are woven into 
throughout this show, like there's a lot of themes of nihilism, religion, morality, good mm -hmm. versus evil. Um, so there was a quote, um, Rust says this, he says, the world needs bad men. We keep other bad men from the door. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of where his mindset is at, where he's like, there are, I don't think he looks at himself like a good person. He, he thinks that he's, he's a, bad a bad man. Person. He looks at Marty like a bad man. He's cheating on his wife and screwing his family. Oh yeah. Whatever. He's made that abundantly clear. Yeah. yeah. He, I think he looks at them like we're bad people, but there's people out there that are much that are actually worse than worse. us yeah. that are the worst of the worst and they need bad men like us to keep to them deal in line. with them. Yeah. yeah. Like the gatekeepers almost. Yeah. Exactly. Just... Cause good men can't do it. And, and that would be a fair statement. Yeah. And I think that's probably a commentary on the detective person. If you have to live. Yeah. In the dark spaces of the world, then like you're, you, you sometimes might be swallowed up by that darkness. Yeah. You almost have to have an air of darkness yourself. Yeah. 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 There was something I was thinking. I was like, oh, there was something I was watching that. Yeah. That um, it was a different movie and there was a detective that talked about that. It was. Um, I feel like I know what you're talking about. It was, it was a detective who was talking to his daughter and he was saying that to catch the, the people that he needs to catch, he needs to live in the, in the darkness and his daughter is the light. And he, he used an analogy where he said, it's kind of like, you know, when you turn on the lights and then you turn them off and you, and you can't see anything. Because oh, I was just watching watching this. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't. It's name the it. one I talked about in a previous episode with Henry Cavill and okay. Alexandra Daddario. Okay, yeah. Okay, that's probably why it sounds familiar because I think we've talked about this before. But I haven't talked about this part of it. Before. Okay, then. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going. I'm losing it. I, it's the one I <laughs> talked about with the twin thing. Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it, I. It was an okay movie, but I remembered this part specifically because he's saying to her, he's like, "You're my light, so when you're around." I can't see them. Okay. Yeah. Because I have to live in the darkness to find them. Yeah. And I thought that was a really, really interesting analogy about yeah. like turning on a light switch and then turning it off. So like turning on the light switch is being with his daughter. Yeah. So when you're around, I can't see them. Yeah. I need to turn off the lights and I need to go live in the darkness, let my eyes adjust, and then I can see them. Yeah. And that was like again the movie itself was like okay but i felt like that scene that was like really good an exceptional way to describe it yeah and i think it applies here and again to the whole detective trope as far as like if you, it sucks to say because i'm sure there's lots of detectives out there that can do this successfully but i think yeah. it's rare to be able to like you said hunt these terrible people down and maybe then, have to go undercover or whatever but even just living in a case a really really dark yeah. space and then go home and be all happy dandy and like the world is great and blah 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 like yeah you I, hear about all the time where cops are like super overprotective of their children because they're like i know what's out there yeah and that's terrifying yeah i agree i'm I know, i'm sure there are cops out there and detectives out there that can do both we're not saying it's impossible but no, it just, of course it, it just i can't imagine what it takes to do both yeah i think it would be incredibly difficult yeah for sure. Yeah. And, and and like we said, there's lots of cops out there that are like amazing dads, like great family men, like 
all Moms of that, even, they, yeah. they manage to do it really well. And if yeah. you can, that's freaking awesome. But it's, it seems like there's also those detectives that need to just immerse themselves in it. And that's what they're choosing to do because they feel like they're, they're going to be able to do their yeah. job that way. Yeah. Makes sense. And Russ is obviously an example of that. Yeah. I don't think Marty is an example of being able to do both. Being able to do both at all. No. <laughs> like, he he does like obviously later on in the show realize and kind of come to terms with the fact that he didn't successfully do both. Yeah. And apologizes for such. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's and I think that's the difference between them is that Rust is like, Realistic I'm not trying to world. do both anymore. I'm yeah. just trying to do this. And Marty's I can't still successfully trying to like do both. Yeah. play both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the... It doesn't need to be our last thing, but something I wanted to talk about (laughs) was obviously the ending. Yeah. And something about how, obviously throughout the show, Rust talks about religion, but it's very obvious he's not a religious person. Right. And, you know, where Marty's like, you have a cross in your apartment, but like, why? Like, and he's like, sometimes there was a quote I had here. uh, He says, I contemplate the moment in the garden, the idea of allowing your own crucifixion. Which I think he's kind of saying, there's a million things he could be saying in that line. Yeah. But I think he's kind of saying like, I think about it. Like I think about religion as a concept. I think about if Jesus really was a real person and all those things did happen. Like I I think about what he would have been thinking about Mm -hmm. and what that now means for this, like for society and the world now who still follow it. But he's obviously not part of it. Yeah. He's not given into that. And they're at the very end of the show when he, when they're outside of the hospital and he talks about how he saw his daughter in the dark in in the darkness and everything. And like, he finally saw her and all this stuff. And the last line of the show is, well, once there was always dark, if you ask me the lights winning. Yeah. And a lot of people interpreted that as like him seeing his daughter and everything as almost like I saw her in the afterlife. Yeah. And now I've found religion. <laughs> and I just wanted to hear what you thought about that. It, like, do you think that's what he meant? Do you think he's like now a religious person and believes in God? Or do you think it's something else? I, I actually thought that it meant he was going to kill himself. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Because I thought the same thing. Yeah, that he thought he saw his daughter in the afterlife and that he was happiest there is at least what I pulled from it. I I definitely got that he was like, I didn't want to come out of there. Like I wanted to stay there with her. Yeah. For sure. And that's why like I – yeah. I just thought like they kind of closed it there and I was just like, it kind of sounds like he's going to kill himself. Oh, okay. That's what I took from it. I think from what I (laughs) – I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what the intention was. There's a lot of things to interpret and these aren't real people so we don't know what would happen after that point. I think from what I got from discussions with a lot of people I know that have watched it and also from reading a lot of reviews online, it seems divided as like some people think he's talking about religion and like finding, literally finding the light. Yeah. And other people are like, no, I think he was, he had this nihilistic, pessimistic view for the last 20 years or whatever of his life, most of his adult life. Yeah. And now he might be finally trying to finally allow like moving, light some, some yeah, light in allowing some light in like moving 
less away, more away from the pessimistic side and into a more optimistic view, not being yes. like the pinnacle of optimism. But yeah. I think um, there was another quote. I'm so sorry if you guys can hear the dogs barking. It's so again a zoo nuts. here. <laughs> there was another quote he said. He says, this is a world where nothing is solved. Someone once told me time is a flat circle. Everything we've ever done or will do, we're going to do over and over and over again. And so, and he says a lot of stuff like that. That's when he's like, this is the present day when he's like in, in the interrogation room. But yeah. I think um, there's been a lot of people that have picked that apart saying that he's sort of saying, whatever we do, it doesn't matter. Bad things are going to happen anyways. And we're yes. all just going to be in this circle yeah, forever and ever through it. in this loop of life yeah and i think particularly where he says nothing this this is a world where nothing is solved but now they've solved the case yeah and i and i i feel i don't think he found religion like that's the no, thing i, I think there's I a lot of people that, that are like yeah. Yeah, like that's not what it meant like that's yeah but i could I sooner see the other side yeah. maybe or is like it's nothing i i went through this life believing that nothing could be solved and we solved this and it obviously goes deeper than that, but maybe that gave him hope something that gave him some him kind of faith, of not necessarily hope. religion. Yeah. And, and see, yeah, that's, that's more how I could see it is that it changed his perspective. Yes. So I, I do see that, like that final scene, definitely I took away that his perspective in one way or another was changed from how his disposition had been throughout the entire show. Mm -hmm. I got a more negative vibe from it. Not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to go home and shoot myself in the head, but mm -hmm. more like I'm looking forward to death now. Because I know I'm going to see my daughter. Yes, but all, yeah, I just yeah. more so for like – I definitely got that a bit. Like yeah. I didn't get that like he wanted to go see her right now. Like, no, I, yes, yeah. But I, I definitely get that as far as like maybe – he's believing that he can see her again. And and I think that's it's, why a lot of hopes people restored. interpreted that as like, I believe in an afterlife now. But you can believe in an afterlife and not believe in religion. And that's, I think that's why I jumped to he's going to kill himself. Yeah. And I don't mean it in like a derogatory way at all to no, like no, of course anybody not. who's experienced suicidal thoughts or anything like that. But I I didn't take it as like a, a bad thing. Yeah. I, I wasn't yeah. like, oh my God. It was like, oh, he he would prefer to be dead. And, and be in a positive daughter. way yeah. if that makes yeah. any kind of sense that's how i took it well i um just recently watched wind river i don't remember I've if i talked to that. you about this yeah. um and it kind of made me think about this in terms of there's a quote that i'll read but jeremy renner is the main character in the i like movie. me some jeremy renner mm -hmm. he's good he's really good in this <laughs> he's really good <laughs> and he's talking to his friend who has just lost his daughter and Jeremy Renner in the movie has also lost his daughter. Okay. Their daughters were best friends. Oh, so that's fucked up. It's, yeah, okay. it's a terrible situation. It's actually, it's based on a true story. Oh, that's extra it's fucked a, up. It's an excellent movie and it has been acclaimed for um, it dealing with grief in, in a really open and I guess accurate way. Okay. Not for everybody because everybody deals with it differently, but in, in a really... It, it feels very real yeah and so when he's talking to his friend who's just found out that his daughter died and jeremy renner already being a grieving father he says the bad news is you're never going to be the same you're never going to be whole not ever again you lost your daughter nothing's ever going to replace that now the good news is as soon as you accept that 
and you let yourself suffer, you allow yourself to visit her in your mind and you remember all the love she gave, all the joy she knew. And he's basically telling his friend to take the pain because he's saying that if you don't, there are people who reject the pain of thinking about the loved ones that they've lost. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you're removing them from your memory because you're not allowing yourself to think about them. Yeah. So he's saying if you take the pain and you take the suffering, you're thinking, then you can visit her in your mind. You can think about her. Yeah. And she can live on in your mind. Yeah. And so in in kind of explode that speech really stuck with me. Yeah. And then doing my sort of like my notes and everything for this and thinking about Russ losing his daughter. And now at the end, he's saying, like, I saw her in the darkness and. I feel like the light's winning now kind of so now S- looking same back thing. on like it he, like can apply it. that yeah now I'm wondering if it's sort of like could he have been just rejecting that his whole you know for like previous the last 20 never years happened to never ever let himself think about her yeah but now that he's seen her in the darkness and maybe that's him letting her into his mind yeah and accepting, accepting the grief and the grief and the pain but realizing that that means that he can like think about her now yeah. and that he can she can live on in his mind. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like that's it's just one interpretation. It's, but because yeah. Wind River did a really, really good job of explaining that. Yeah. And it it sort of it's something I think I'm probably gonna think about for the rest of my life as far as grief and like thinking about yeah. someone who's passed and the way that people choose to deal with it. Yeah, because again, everybody takes a different approach. Yeah. I think it could yeah. definitely be applicable here. It's not the only yeah. way you can interpret what. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Rust Everyone's going to take it in their own. Yeah. But I just manner. felt like that was. Yeah. That could be connected in a way or that could. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels. Yeah. You're right. It does feel applicable. applicable. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot in the show that we could unpack. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Maybe we'll. There's a million yeah. things, but I feel like. And again, like I could watch it probably 10 times over and I'll probably and watch it again. New views about it. And yeah. especially, yeah, I mean, it was your first time watching it, right? Yeah. It's a lot. There was something I was reading where they were saying that True Detective should be watched at least twice because I they were so. like, the first time you watch it, you, you can focus on the story. And the second time you watch it, you can, you can focus, focus on only on like what they're saying. Yeah. Because, like, again, there's so much in the dialogue that some, talks about of course what some things they want you to be thinking about as a viewer these yes. bigger themes but the first time you watch it through like you just like you're, you're trying to get to the story following the story and mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot like it gets confusing it really does it does there was <laughs> for sure I, like I, i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i'm above everyone and say that it, all of it made sense to me there were parts where i was just like that went over my head yeah oh absolutely and that's like, why i watch it's i think my third time watching it but i yeah. have a friend who watches it like every year like she's watched it eight yeah. times because it's like she loves it but it's also <laughs> yeah every time you watch it you kind of get a little bit more from it it's true yeah i feel like i could see that for sure yeah and i i've always been a fan of movies and tv shows like that some people are like over and over i just want to get it on one go so if that's your taste this maybe is probably not the show for you (laughs) but no one ever gets anything on one go anyways like no matter how much of a perfectionist you are you're not gonna get it (laughs) even like comedies sometimes i rewatch a comedy and i'm like yo what that guy is doing in the background is so funny and i didn't notice it the first time well i think like i can relate that to like the office for example yeah i think i've watched season one through like what is it season nine like the full entire show start to finish all the way through probably about 10 times mm-hmm. easily 10 times probably more but every time i rewatch it in every single episode 
that I'm like, I never really caught that. And this is what's funny this time. Mm -hmm. You can like start to appreciate different things where it's just like, you know what? This time, this is what's got my attention. I feel like I, I noticed that with a new girl a lot because there's always like an explicit joke that's said at like a regular speaking level and then there's so often someone next to them or beside them or in the background that says something under their breath that's like so quick and then someone cuts and they go to something else and so like when you watch it more and more times you know the main joke's coming but then you catch the secondary joke and I'm like oh my god I forgot he said that that's so funny or I didn't notice that the first time that's like even funnier than the joke he said and I love that so I I love stuff that has a lot of really good rewatch value yeah so that's that's probably this for me, I think yeah. I think I'll probably rewatch it every few years. I think I should rewatch it. It's I think it's a little too soon for me to rewatch it right yeah. now because oh, yeah. I just finished it you like just, a couple yeah. weeks ago. But like, I want to watch season two. Oh yes, yeah, and I want to I want to rewatch season two. And we're gonna it's been a long time. We're since gonna I've review seen it. it maybe. Yeah, if you guys if you guys liked this, let us know. And if, if you, you didn't like it, tell us too. Yeah, or if you're like I don't fucking I couldn't follow anything you guys were saying. You guys are idiots. Which is <laughs> which is probably likely. <laughs> I know there's somebody out there that's like, Becky, shut the fuck up. I mean, I can guarantee if you haven't watched the show, then you wouldn't have followed anything we were saying. But again, though, like they're going to read the title and be like, well, I didn't watch that show. I'll just skip this episode. Yeah. That's fine. That's totally fine. That's fine. But go and watch it. But just and watch it and listen, listen to, to this us. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm glad we're all the same nature. But if, you, <laughs> but if you liked it and you want us to review season two, let us know. Yeah. And if there's anything else you want us to review, let us know that yeah. as well. We like sprinkling these in because it's sometimes it's nice to just like open up our laptops with like zero notes and just talk <laughs> because like I, at least this episode, I, I think I only once lost my spot. But you, how often do I do a case where I'm just like, and I fucked up? <laughs> because I'm trying to follow along my own stupid brainstorm thoughts written out here. Well, and it's like it's a nice. lot of like reading and sticking to our notes with cases, whereas it's nice for us to just be able to converse and just yeah. like talk it out and unpack things. And, and have just, our opinions without yeah. being worried about getting sued and stuff or getting murdered <laughs> in our sleep. So yeah, like sometimes it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Please. But um, yeah, yeah, but if you hate it, let us know. We'll probably still do it anyways. <laughs> Even if everybody's like, don't ever fucking do that again, I'm going to be like, I'm going to do it. It's fun for us. We're going to do it. (laughs) We're going to do it anyways. Yeah. So that was cool. That was cool. Let's wrap this shit up. I liked it. Yeah. This is good stuff, guys. Well, yeah. Sign up to be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed. And if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to howtonotgetkilled at gmail.com. Or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at howtonotgetkilled. And you can follow us on Twitter at h2ngk. And you can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Keep it slazy. And stay away from the yellow king. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Bye. 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 (laughs) Thank you.